From How to Barbecue Right Studios in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production brings you Under the Water Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Crane and Derek Biglane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. Well, we had uh, some special music this morning. Right after our last show, we found out the the passing of Meatloaf Friday, uh, soon after, I guess. I guess, actually, probably what people were listening to it sometime mid-morning, late yep. morning. Yep. Uh, just very, very sad. So we thought we would uh, uh, honor him uh, by playing I would definitely be his most famous song. Sure. Derek, I've said on the podcast numerous times, I DJed in high school. That was right at the time. 1993, that song came out right at the time that I was DJing. Starting to DJ in high school for local dances and parties. And that's one of those songs that it's not a slow song. No. But it's not a fast song. But people want to hear it. And and I played it a million times uh, growing up. I mean, you know, the video was really good. If you yep. haven't seen yep. the video, uh, go check it out. And I'll yeah. just simply say that. As <laughs> well, a, I'll just simply say go check the video out. And um, I mean, look, but we still haven't figured out what, what wouldn't he do is what we don't know. I would do anything for love, but I wouldn't do that. I think it was to tell her that, that he wouldn't love her, right? That he like basically, I can't tell you goodbye. Oh, okay. I think this was. His, oh, I see. Okay, yeah. now it's yeah, I'll do sense. anything except for I, I will not tell you goodbye. Okay. Um, so interesting. That was, yeah. So very, very interesting song. Uh, yeah, but like you're saying, that you can't I, th- I wait. thought it was a little bit more kinky than that, so I didn't. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I, didn't I didn't know what it was. Well, uh, that's a, okay. Yeah. Well, maybe that your, too. Your explanation's way more safe. That makes maybe maybe, maybe that too. But, but uh, now you couldn't dance this. Kind of like Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, you can't yes, dance that. Yes. Very good song. Yeah. Fast parts, slow parts. Can't really dance to it. Yeah. Meatloaf was the guy that sadly, if he looked like Justin Timberlake, would have oh. had a. Uh, I mean, he would have been the biggest star on earth. You know, that kind of guy. Uh, yeah. Voice was amazing. Uh, stage presence was awesome. You know, all the different accounts of what you heard from. Just a lovable, great guy. And um, you know, I really enjoyed that song back in the day and and yeah meatloaf i played it on the saturday game when the hernando uh soccer team was hosting south panola on saturday uh you know the game in between games i played that song and i had 15 people turn around and were like yes <laughs> you know they love some meatloaf man and they grew up on it that's what they, that song was huge uh if you like i said you haven't seen the video go check it out it's about an eight minute long kind of beauty and the beast type video mm-hmm. is what it is so a little bit of a uh, short movie so you're, um, you're saying meatloaf was comforting is what you're saying meatloaf is comforting. I guess definitely comfort food yeah meatloaf some comfort yeah. food like chaz from wedding crashers yep you know, there you go food. yep chaz from wedding crashers exactly meatloaf is uh an acquired taste hey ma can we get some meatloaf? And speaking of comforting, it definitely is comforting to have a realtor working for you when you're trying to buy or sell a home in DeSoto County. When that realtor is on your side, that is a comforting feeling. And I'm speaking, of course, about the number one real estate team in DeSoto County, our 2022 presenting sponsor, Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Team Couch possesses over 65 years of combined real estate experience. They are the number one team for residential real estate for the last 13 years in DeSoto County. They are full-time, full-service realtors, which means they are available anytime you need them. They're currently offering a free, no-obligation market analysis. Simply call them with your address. They can tell you all about your neighborhood, your zip code, what's going on on your street. Brian and Terry and their team possess all the analytics that you want your realtor to have. Give them a call at 662-449-1700. Call Brian's cell phone, 901-461-7653. That's 461-SOLD. S-O-L-D. You can do a full home search anywhere in the Mid-South at teamcouch.com. That's teamcouch.com. Again, do not go into this very, very hot, very tough DeSoto County real estate market without the best. Call Brown and Terry today. Again, 662-449-1700. Team Couch of Birch Realty Group, our 2022 presenting sponsor. Really good time maybe to get outside, do a little bit of uh, cooking last night, barbecue cooking last night on the grill. Uh, But uh, spring is right around the corner, and if you're looking to take your cooking, your outdoor grilling to the next level, there's no better barbecue shop in DeSoto County than our 2022 studio sponsor, the How to Barbecue Right Shop. How to Barbecue Right Shop, located right here under the water tower at 496 Whitfield Drive. This store has everything a person needs for crawfish, barbecue, or any other kind of outdoor cooking. 
Whether it's rubs, sauces, thermometers, cast iron, cutting boards, knives, or some of the coolest high-end smokers on the market, Malcolm's Shop is your place. If you've ever seen his How to Barbecue Right YouTube videos, you need to stop by his shop today. Derek, I noticed he just crossed over 1.4 million subscribers wow. on his wow. YouTube channel. Absolutely amazing. Malcolm Reed and the team at the How to Barbecue Right Shop are definitely ready to serve you. Find more info on Facebook at H2Q Malcolm Shop. Give him a call locally at 912-9947. Visit his website, howtobbqright.com. But the best thing to do is to stop by the How to Barbecue Right shop located right here under the water tower at 496 Whitfield Drive. Thank you, Malcolm and Rochelle, for being our 2022 studio sponsor. Typically, Derek, on our Tuesday morning show, we start off with our words from the weekend. We're going to do things a little bit differently this week because we are very excited to have an interview with the new Parks and Rec director for the city of Fernando, Mr. Jared Barkley. Sat down with him last Friday. I uh, was able to talk for about 25, 26 minutes with him. So that's going to be the meat of our of the beginning of our show. So we're going to bypass our words from the weekend. But we do have a couple of updates that we do want to give you before we turn to that interview. Derek, a special, wonderful announcement regarding DeSoto County Schools happened since our last show. Tell us about it. All right, so DeSoto County Schools has been named as one of the best places to work in Mississippi. Not just DeSoto County, actually in Mississippi. They were ranked number 12 on Forbes' list of each state's best place to work. Rankings are based on an anonymous surveys collected from 80,000 Americans throughout 2020 and 2021. Survey respondents were asked to rate their employers on a variety of criteria, including safety of work environment, competitiveness of compensation, and opportunities for advancement. Again, and so they rank number 12. That's higher than Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Wow. Uh, the only education, I guess, uh, education-related place ranked above the Southern County Schools, Southern Miss. Okay. Congratulations to Southern County School, to Corey Elston, all the teachers, staff, everybody there. You do work, and, and what we feel like, uh, I know from the UCW podcast, and you know, as a, somebody that works in town, are very thankful for the schools that we have, uh, and that I'm so glad that it's a great place to work. Congratulations to DCS. I mean, uh, Derek, you and I know a bunch of teachers, principals, uh, even assistants. Um, Look, we've had good success here at Hernando Public Schools. We really, really appreciate all the work that they do, and, and thank you for that. Corey Oselton is a, a personal friend of both of ours and definitely a friend of the UTW podcast, having been on uh, with us. And, uh, you know, Corey doesn't hide anything. He, he works hard. DCS works hard, and we definitely appreciate that. Congratulations on that honor for sure. Well, Derek, staying in the classroom, uh, that's about all we have locally uh, from since our last show, about all we kind of have locally. Since our last show, our state senator, Mike McClendon, who's been been on our show in the past uh, was able to present and push through something really big in the state of Mississippi. Tell us about it. Well, he able to get it to the Senate. Uh, the Senate through side. The Senate, yes. uh, he filed Senate Bill twenty one thirteen, which would essentially prohibit the generally accepted ideals of CRT or critical race theory from being taught in any public schools in Mississippi, including charter schools and universities. The bill was passed out of committee on Thursday with an amendment to add community colleges to the list. So originally those were not included. Uh, somebody added that uh, as an amendment. And so it was sent to the full out of committee to the full Senate floor. It then passed the floor vote in the Senate early Friday morning by a vote of 32 to 2. Now you may be asking, we only have 34 senators? No, we do not uh, for the state, of, uh, the state senators. The black caucus, all of the uh, black uh, members of the Senate walked out uh, on the voting of the bill. They were not uh, happy with the way it was phrased or kind of what it implied. I think the actually there was somebody that was interviewed afterwards didn't really say whether they agreed, disagreed. Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, people can kind of infer what maybe they were thinking. But the main reason given, uh, I guess, uh, in an interview was because they said there's about 20 more things more important than this we should be taking up at this time. Uh, I cannot say I necessarily disagree with him okay. uh, because that was that's probably true. I mean, we're talking about many more things. But Senator McClendon uh, said that this is something that you know he'd heard from his constituents, from many, many constituents, not only in his district, but across the state that wanted to see this passed. Uh, he was doing what the, he's saying was the will of the people. Uh, and so Senate for a four vote, it did pass the Senate, 32 to 2. It will now go to the House. I uh, have not heard anything on the House side, whether they have their own version of the bill, whether they'll take this version up first and then maybe go from there. So we will see. Now, obviously, if the House passes it as is, it would go to the governor's desk. But right now, just no word on uh, from the speaker. Uh, House Speaker Gunn, whether or not he's going to take that up uh, anytime soon. Uh, now, what does the bill say? The bill spe specifies what exactly is prohibited, which would include any teaching that any sex, race, 
ethnicity, religion, or national origin is inherently superior or inferior, or that individuals should be adversely treated on the basis of their sex, race, ethnicity, religion, or national origin. That's the way it's worded. So, uh, and then there's a couple people that disagreed that it didn't really address critical race theory. And so that was also challenged. It was one of the no, the two no votes was not necessarily maybe against it, but it was actually against the wording of it or what should have been included in this bill. But obviously it had many backers, 32 to 2. That is a majority of the Senate, even though all Senate members were not there, I still was able to pass it and go out. Now, CRT, this is, you know, we don't know exactly what any curriculum would look like. There's nothing like that. This is a nationwide. So please educate yourself on CRT. I had to do it myself. We hear the hot button words. We, we hear the initials. Uh, that's supposed to set everybody off. But, you know, critical race theory is not a certain specified curriculum that the, the government, the national government is trying to push down in any way. Uh, it's more of an idea or a conversation of thought. And so this is very vague because we don't really know what would or would not be implemented. Uh, but this is kind of puts barriers on, okay, well, if, if new social studies things come out from the national government if, or anything like that, or if a teacher tries to go a certain route on a discussion, that it kind of puts a, a fence around that of what, you know, what could be talked about. So we'll see what that means in the future. Uh, right now it's very vague. Right, of course, it hadn't even passed the House yet. So we'll kind of see where that goes. But that was, uh, again, a local senator. Mike McClendon was one that introduced it, and it passed the Senate floor. Derek, you and I are parents uh, of five children, and I think just about everybody who probably is listening to the UTW podcast, uh, no matter the race, would probably really like for our children to be learning reading, writing, and arithmetic, you know, what we've always learned. And so um, I think a lot of people would like that and would like to move forward with that and uh, get back to not necessarily a a number of social justice type things, but, um, you know, let's get our students in the state of Mississippi proficient in English and mathematics and science and so forth. So I think that's kind of what, it, I think what, what critical race theory is, correct me if I'm wrong, it's, it's, it's a lot of the basis is certain races are X, Y, and Z because other races were or are X, Y, and Z. That's kind of what, what it is. Like. Yeah, it's, it's a, yes, but it's more of a necessarily pinpointing this is bad, this is good. Okay. It's more, it's probably about a 40 or 50 year school of thought right. that, the inherent there's inherent biases in our society gotcha, okay. uh, that uh, you know certain like and I, and again it's not untrue okay redlining sure. that banks did Banking, yes. was inherent racial bias okay yes. so that inherently prevented people of color from getting loans starting in the 1930s all the way believe it or not through the 1970s right. so the school of thought is redlining was it so there are other places in our society where like what banking redlining was to, or redlining was to banking other things in other parts of society that have been put in there to prohibit or to make it very hard for a certain class of people to get understand that that's what that's the theory i'm saying from the banking side it did exist it was wrong it has been corrected now some people may say well there's some banks that may still do that here nor there that you know banks are punished if they are i mean there there is laws against it uh so but i think that maybe working that through other parts of our society needs to have that same scrutiny that's what the, the people wanting to have that discussion say. Now, again, how that trickles down to the school, nobody knows. Uh, there have been other states that have disallowed this. There's seven or eight states that have also done very similarly what Mississippi is trying to do. There's only one state that has said we welcome any and all discussion of race and biases and you know that sort of thing, and that is the state of Delaware has passed to be pretty much inclusive of any and all ways and, and, and thoughts on teaching about race. So We'll see what it means for sure, us, but yeah. that's uh, that's kind of where we are right now. And we brought it up, really, because, I mean, the local state senator, Mike McClendon, who's been on our show, was the person who brought it up, presented it to the Senate, and, and moved forward uh, with that. So good information coming out about, about that. Uh, again, Derek and I preach all the time, educate yourself about it. Go educate yourself on – look for interviews with maybe uh, members of the Black Caucus who uh, walked out or were not part of the vote uh, on Friday. So go learn about that. Go look into those things. Research it yourself. Learn about it. And, uh, and I mean, we highly recommend doing that. Well, Derek, something else. When they did walk out of the vote, right after that, the Senate moved forward with something else that I think everybody would agree on, and that was going to be the teacher pay raise that we've been talking about for the last two or three weeks. A little update on that before our interview. Right. So the uh, teacher pay raise, we broke this down a couple weeks ago on our podcast exactly everything said finally came to a four vote uh senate bill 2444 was the 210 million dollar plan aimed at raising teacher pay now this is the one that brings it up to forty thousand, and then it has like step ups every year uh the house version brought it up to forty three thousand. so again two different things theirs passed as it was we talked about a couple weeks ago 
passed 35 to nothing. Again, the Black Caucus had already walked off, did not come back in that for the vote. That does not mean that they don't agree with, uh, obviously, uh, teachers getting pay raises. It's just that they had, you know, they were pro- kind of uh, protesting uh, against the, the vote before this one, uh, or I guess, you know, what it was about and or why it was being discussed right now. And so it was a 35 to no vote. That means it goes to the House. We already know what the House version looks like. They are different. Uh, so this does not go to the governor's desk. They'll now next go to conference, kind of work through it, come to kind of you know, consolidation, consolidate those two bills in some way, put it back to both houses for a vote. And then if that passes, it would then go to the, the uh, governor's desk. But I think teachers feel pretty good about the fact they're getting some type yes. of pretty significant raise here over the next two or three months. It does look that way. Both the Senate and the House have passed things. They're going to begin to talk about that, come up with some numbers. And I think every teacher uh, that is listening to the UTW podcast, which we do know uh, – uh, there are a number of them. Uh, congratulations. Something should be coming your way pretty soon. Well, look, before we get to our uh, main part of this uh, show today, the UTW podcast, our special guest, Jared Barkley, want to recognize a couple of our sponsors before we get to that interview. would like to recognize our newest advertiser, Holland Insurance. Holland Insurance, based in South Haven, but ready to work for everyone across DeSoto County. They can help you when it comes to property, casualty, health, life, Aldo, Bruce Robinson, and Jerry Holland and their team at Holland Insurance can help connect you with some of the largest insurance carriers in the country, including Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi, Cigna, Humana, MetLife, Nationwide, Liberty Mutual. They work with over 30 carriers when it comes to any and all insurance that you might need. Give them a call locally at 662-895-5528. Again, that's 662-895-5528. If you have an insurance license in the state of Mississippi and are looking for a change, looking for a new career, a new opportunity, give Bruce and his team a call to see about working with Holland Insurance. Again, locally. 895-5528. Thank you to Bruce and Jerry for being our newest sponsor. Again, Holland Insurance. North Point continues to get applications for new students and take calls of interested families. They anticipate some grades will reach capacity before they ever make it to summer. Their next open house will be Tuesday, February 8th at 8.30 a.m. Again, Tuesday, February 8th at 8.30 a.m. This will be an in-school open house. If your family is interested in seeing what a Christ-centered college preparatory school looks like, they should call for a tour or schedule their name for the open house today. Please call Sheila Sharon at 662-349-5127. Again, Sheila Sharon at 662-349-5127 for the tour. Well, as we've said several times on the show already, Jared Barkley, the new Parks and Rec director, sat down with us last Friday morning. We really appreciate his time, and we will go to his interview now. Very excited this morning to welcome in Jared Barkley, the new Parks and Rec director for the city of Hernando. Jared, good morning to you. Hey, good morning. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm sorry. The uh, the How to Barbecue Right Shop Studios, it's it's, it's amazing, isn't it? It's very uh, <laughs> iconic, I would say. Oh, okay. There you go. That's a, that's a stretch, but uh, we do appreciate it. Got a little painting, a little bit of work left to do, but uh, thanks for coming in, sitting in uh, with us this morning, visiting with us about the Parks and Rec Department in the city of Hernando. But before we get to those questions, let's talk a little bit about you. Uh, you and I have a little bit in, in common. My wife is from New Albany, mm-hmm. uh, as are you. You're mm-hmm. from New Albany as well. Yep, yep. Tell us a little bit about you know, maybe where you come from. Yeah. So, uh, lived in New Albany all my life up until going to college, graduated from New Albany high school, 2007, played sports while I was there, a little bit of baseball, a little bit of football to realize I'm not really that great at either one of them. So after that, I did a little bit of, uh, journalism there, uh, at high school. So while I was in New Albany, I, I did a lot of summer work for the parks and recreation department there and, um, kind of got, You know, you grow up on ball fields all your life. You know, as a kid, you're playing baseball, flag football, soccer. So it really, um, you know, it it just started from looking for a summer job that I could, you know, still make sport workouts and stuff. So, um, but it really opened me up to that as a profession. So I think that's kind of where I've got my feet wet in the job and and got to see the other side of things that automatically happen. You, You think, you know, when you're a kid that, you know, stripes just happen to be on a ball field, trash just happens to be picked up that sort of stuff. So after high school graduation, 2007, I went to Erskine college, which is in due West, South Carolina. Um, it is a pretty good hike away. It's a, it's a hike. Yeah. So, uh, Erskine college, yeah. E R S K I N E. Okay. It's a, uh, small 
Christian Liberal Arts College. I undergrad, it's probably around 600 students wow. undergrad. Smaller so than New Albany High School. It arrived around the same size <laughs> when I graduated yeah. from New Albany. So it's uh, in the upstate of South Carolina, about 40 minutes directly east of Clemson. It's in the middle of nowhere. There's no stoplight sure. in, in due west. We had a Dollar General, of course, and a Subway. And then we got a Mexican restaurant uh, when we were juniors. So that was a big deal. Uh, the closest Walmart town, quote unquote, is Greenwood. Right, sure. So, um, you know, that was about 20 minutes away. So pretty much in the middle of nowhere. So enjoyed it. Uh, wouldn't change a thing. And I, I did a sports management major there. Part of that major um, had to do an internship with a municipality, Abbeville, South Carolina is the county seat there in Abbeville County. I did a couple of, uh, about a month or so, uh, internship with them. Um, real rural, uh, just a couple thousand folks. So that, that gave me a little bit of an administrator's view of how things operate. You know, the sports management major there, it's a liberal arts college, so it's pretty broad. You can do anything from own your own gym to do athletic directors. We got some folks who graduated in a department who work in professional sports, that sort of stuff. And, and I, I've always been interested in municipal recreation. How do we connect a community through this conduit of sport and recreation? It's, it's a common ground for communities. We come from all different walks of life and it's a great opportunity for kids who may not intermingle, meet different folks and parents uh, who may not run in the same circles, interact with different uh, different folks in the community. So I've always believed that as a conduit to grow community, make community a better place, enhance the quality of life. So that was always attracted to me. Um, I felt like I needed to kind of distill that a little bit. So I came back and did the Masters of Arts and Park and Rec Management program at uh, the University of Mississippi in... You can say Ole Miss. That's at okay. Ole Miss, sorry. <laughs> Started that in 2011 and graduated from that in December 2013. The next Monday, I started work at the Oxford Park Commission okay. as an athletics manager. I gotcha. Hey, let me let me stop you right there. Yeah. And Were you in high school or when you worked for the parks in New Albany, were you part of or did you get to see the uh, soccer complex and the tennis complex kind of be come, come online? Yeah. So, it's a very nice uh, complex. Yeah, they've got a real nice facility there. That was... Actually, my last summer there, they were laying the irrigation okay. for those fields. Yes. So I, I never, I wasn't, I was in college by the time those were constructed. Podcast listeners, if you're ever heading towards Tupelo on the left-hand side in New Albany, you'll see a group of five or six soccer fields tied in with about a eight to ten, twelve court tennis complex. Uh, New Albany tennis has won state championships uh, numerous times, so they definitely invested in tennis. So that's uh, something to look at. Uh, to the left would be that facility. To the right would be a, a you know quality baseball field facility on the right. So that growing up in the in New Albany or growing up in a decent park program was important to you and kind of and, and steered you towards hey maybe I, this maybe this is something I want to do. You know I think what initially attracted it attracted me to it was it just brings so much joy to right. people. I mean, right. it's a, it should be a joyous. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. At the heart of it, yes. it's fun. It's yes. about fun. It's about getting kids out there, having a good time, adults, you know, uh, playing fly football, ultimate Frisbee, whatever. But it also trickles down to, I mean, for every one kid you see registered on a spreadsheet that potentially impacts another four people. You got parents, you got grandparents, who come out there, enjoy watching their son, grandson, daughter, granddaughter play. I like to say for every one kid that's registered, you probably magnify that by another four times. Real quickly, you can start to get the an idea of the scope of how community happens Absolutely. in these places. Yeah, especially in Hernando, prime example of that. Mm -hmm. You know, I've yeah, we'll we'll talk more about that in just one second. But you've got us up to as far as Ole Miss. So you got it. You graduate from Ole Miss, and then you start with the Oxford Park Commission. Uh, most people, listeners, uh, if you don't know, the Oxford Park Commission is, uh, I would say, in North Mississippi, one of the strongest ones. Uh, definitely, I, I would probably say that. So your experience in Oxford, there, uh, what was that like? It was, a, it was a great experience for me. I started out as an athletics manager there, and I did that for five years. So my main responsibilities were youth and adult softball, youth and adult soccer, but also picked up a couple of projects here and there that I would you know, kind of get interested in and, and sort of spearhead. So we started a 
co-ed non-contact lacrosse program. Co-ed non-contact. Yeah. How do you have lacrosse with no contact? <laughs> yeah. Um, U.S. lacrosse has right. a soft stick program. Okay, gotcha. And it's sort of, you think about PE. Sure. PE adapted lacrosse. So um, it, it is gauged at younger kids. Yeah. So we're thinking elementary, middle. Right. Maybe, maybe focus more on passing than body checking. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And, yeah. And it's the same idea. You can't run until you learn how to walk. Understand. You can't walk yeah. until you learn how to crawl. So sure. body checking is only so good if the person you're checking has caught the ball. Absolutely. You know, of course. if you can't yeah. throw and run with the ball, cradle, all that sort of stuff, sure. it's no good to you. Like, but, yeah. So but you it, wanted to bring this to the, um, yeah, that's a big deal to bring something, whoop, you know, out of the blue. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, um, we, we were able to use starting out a couple of members from the Ole Miss lacrosse sure. program club team, right? club team. Yep. That's right. Yeah. We did that for a little bit. And then I had a, a parent in Oxford who, you know, grew up, outside of the state, um, had done some time in the Northeast, has a lacrosse background. So, you know, just connected with him and asked if he'd be interested in kind of being the instructor for that. So we did that for several years, uh, had some pretty good participation there. You're just trying to introduce kids to different avenues. You know, it's, it's all about exposure. You don't yeah. know what's out there until you know what's out sure. there. So the, the more we can expose, you know, the you may have this one kid who really takes to it and you know, everybody else just at least increases their portfolio of understanding sure. different sports. So let me ask you, so you said the athletics manager, so obviously had two or three people maybe above you because they were ox or would have had a parks and rec department right. head Right. Uh, that man or woman. We don't know. I don't know necessarily who that might be, but were they pretty receptive or what did the, the learning from them and their management style help you for the job that we're going to talk more about in just one second? Did you, did you seem to have an open door policy to be able to say, Hey, I had this idea that might work and, and they let you throw it on the wall and stick or not? Absolutely. Good. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, my previous boss, the director there now, uh, Seth Gaines, really great leader, learned a lot from him and, you know, both talking with him, but also just watching how he interacts. But one thing that's really important that I, that I hope I have learned from him is just an open door policy. So, any idea you have, you know, I've told this to the staff there here in Hernando, I'm interested in anything. You know, I, I don't want to say no off the bat to anything. I want to explore any sort of ideas that you have. So that I, that's one thing that I, I hope I picked up from from Seth there. So well, and leadership is, is willing to talk with your team and talk about ideas, talk about strategies, talk about that stuff. So that's definitely important. So let's turn the page now. You you came from the Oxford, you, you worked the Oxford Park Commission for how long were you there? I was there for just short of eight years. Okay. So the, for, for the first five years, I was in athletics. Yep. And the last three years, almost three years, I was a program director there. So I was in charge of administering, organizing, coming up with instructional programs. And in Oxford there, we offered anything from cooking classes to karate, gymnastics, all, all ran through independent contractors. Also, I led the outdoor program there. So uh, I partnered with a lot of folks in the area just to kind of expose people to the resources that we have in, in North Mississippi, um, just in our backyard, you know, uh, with, uh, I did a lot of work with strawberry plains, the Army Corps of Engineers, a couple of private organizations that are in, interested in, in habitat management, conservation. So I had a really good experience doing that. And that's something that I would like to provide here. I mean, because there's a lot of resources in our backyard that oh, you know I would love to be able to give some families some tools to put in their toolkit that they can feel confident in and then go out and embark on it with their own families. Well, let's turn the page to uh, the Hernando Parks and Rec Department. Let's so what made you first interested in the position here uh, in Hernando, Mississippi? I, I will admit, I didn't know much about Hernando prior to this. I uh, submitted an application, came here, you know, it was going to kind of just see where it, it took me. I felt like professionally, I kind of reached the point that I was ready for something more. Right, sure. You know, uh, this came along, this opportunity came along. Uh, put in the interview, come in here for the you know, the first interview. And I, I don't know if I've ever been downtown before on the square and everything. And I was just struck by how it didn't match my perception of what Hernando was going to be. Cause you know, I see, you know, I think DeSoto County, uh, you know, a lot of chain commerce type stuff. So when I 
came to the sure. square and I was struck by like the small town right. feel of it. It was really you've been to South Haven, correct? Goodman Road, mm-hmm. that type of stuff. You've been to right. those places, yeah, right. exactly. So I, I was struck by the small town feel. Mm-hmm. Being from New Albany, sure. it, it was attractive to right. me. You do know, like in Hernando, we don't park in the middle of the street. <laughs> I'm going to have to get the hang you of get that. My joke, yeah, I'm going to have to get the hang of that. Street. That's not allowed, Hernando. Park on the right <laughs> or left. Come on, work. Yeah, together. yeah. So, uh, so uh, just you know, real attracted to that and the amount of civic involvement there is. I mean, folks like yourself and Derek, you know, being involved in the community on your own free time, uh, doing things to enhance the community. I picked up on that real quickly. So I I understood that there was a passion just for community in Hernando. Still Uh, a small town feel. Still a small town feel. Commitment, yes. Yeah. And a, a real striving to provide the best for the citizens is what I picked on really within the first hour of being here, okay. honestly, um, in, in, in my interview that was attractive to me and, and still is how many know, interviews I had two. Okay. So at any point in the, in the interviews, did they tell you about a local podcast that was really doing a good job that you would really enjoy? And you should probably, you know, uh, no, that didn't, that didn't come up. Well, We're gonna I, have to work on I, that I a little started bit. listening to, uh, under the water tower prior to my second interview, okay. I think. And you still came. Which yeah. Is good. Yeah. I was trying to do a little, <laughs> uh, undercover research, I, I guess. Gotcha. I know well, we kid a lot, but yeah, civic minded. That's a good, I mean, that's anybody that runs a department for a small town should be a civic minded person. So that's definitely something that's, that that's interesting. What are your impressions of the Hernando parks and rec department? We've got a group of some really hard committed workers or our Staff members are great. We've got Michael Carson running our sports director position along with Brennan Robertson currently. Brennan won't be with us long. Tomorrow is actually his last day, the 22nd. So he is uh, moving on to another job. So we currently have his that position taking applications. So I saw uh, an application for that. That would be for his spot. Okay. That's right. So if anyone's interested out there, uh, our application can be found on the city's website. That's right. So um, they are currently doing a great job with our rec basketball program. And um, they also do our baseball, softball, t-ball program, soccer program, which will be the next up uh, as far as youth sports go. Uh, Some adult sport offering with soccer, uh, kickball. So pretty robust athletics program for both youth and adult already existing. Dolly Brecken, is our program director. She does a great job with a very popular one is cookies with Santa. That's been going on for a while. She also does a a wonderful job with the young at heart program with our senior adults, giving them some opportunities for fellowship and some education opportunities. There are walking groups that she helps uh, administer um, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, Targeted different age groups. Uh, Art in the park, I think is the next thing coming up with targeted for the youth and I think she's got some yoga in the park offerings coming up. Uh, Michael Gross is in charge of our maintenance staff. He's our maintenance supervisor. So we've got Michael Gross, Kendrick, uh, Merriweather, and Larry Henderson, who are our maintenance crew. They uh, do a great job at keeping up with the parks, making sure that they're clean, uh, welcoming, trying to stay ahead of the game, I guess, which, uh, you know, in the current season, the game is leaves and limbs Absolutely. and cold weather. Sure. So. So that's what we've got going on right now. Amanda Cherby runs our front desk. She's our parks receptionist. Uh, she does a great job at keeping me in line, keeping me organized, and she's a great communicator and is a very welcoming face to everyone who comes up to the building and uh, calls on the phone. She also is in charge of our rentals. So if anyone's done a rental in the past, they've dealt with Amanda on that. Give us the phone number if somebody needs to call the Parks Department. Sure, it's 662 Four two nine two six eight eight. Does That's it spell it. anything? Park. I'll have to get fun. back with you on that. Oh, yeah. yeah, just a thought. I didn't know if that might keep it easy there. So look, it's kind of a good time to be coming in the winter time. Like you said, you come into baseball and, and get into the spring sports and stuff like that. Give us, if you don't mind, a, a maybe a one year, a three year, and a five year vision. I'm the kind of person that likes to look out that far versus just saying oh, I don't think that way. You know, I'm I'm, I'm going to live in today. Well, you got to have a plan of where sure. we're going. So give me a, maybe a one, a three, and a five-year plan. Or you can go one, five, ten if yeah. you'd like. Whatever. What's your vision for Hernando Parks and Rec Department now that it's your department? So I started my first day was December 2nd. So since then, I've 
been working on just taking inventory of where we stand now. When I came in and, and met with the staff initially, one thing I mentioned to them is that I want to pay attention to the little things. The little things add up. People notice it. I mean, Disney has this saying, the people that work at Disney, that everything speaks. No matter if it's good or bad, it communicates to you. It shows that either we have pride in our facilities, in our parks, or maybe we don't have as much pride, you know, and, and you as a citizen get communicated on how much value may be uh, perceived, I guess, in the parks. I've really been trying to focus on um, fixing the little things, the little things add up, you know, whether that's cleaning off old signs, fixing old hardware, getting rid of old trash cans, that sure. type of stuff. Cleaning house, yeah. in, in, a, in a way, in figure of speech, it's a little spit shine, I guess. Not of people, but cleaning up from a standpoint like yes, hey, yeah. that, that, that little bit of elbow grease and some stuff can clean that sign off. Let's get it done. Exactly. And you're coming in from an outsider. You're coming in from Hey, why is that? Right. And we'll continue that, you know, through the one, three, five years because stuff like that doesn't go away. Maintenance is a constant thing. So that's been our focus right now. Focus on the little things with an eye on the big things. What are those big things? And just in my inventory, we see, I see, you know, there could be some uh, lighting improvements for sure. Some playground improvements. Uh, Parkway Cove is on my mind right now. Um, Help me out with Parkway Cove. Where's that? Parkway Cove is is in a neighborhood that is near the Dilworth Tunnel. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's in the Parkway neighborhood. Okay. Yep. Uh, not far from the school right yep. there. That's right. The exactly. Ele- That's elementary right. school. Sure. I'm still getting my bearings around yeah, here. <laughs> it's probably going to take me a while. So, uh, yeah, so that's one of our it's a it's a very small park. Yep. You probably would refer to it as a pocket park. It's got a, a playground there for little kids, but it could use some uh TLC. Yeah, some TLC, maybe some new playground equipment even. Okay. So, playground equipment is not cheap, so that would definitely be something on a long term that we could get uh working at. Currently, Dolly, who I mentioned is and you saw this on the agenda for the last board meeting got approval to submit for phase two of the skate park at Renaissance Park. Currently, that's about a 6,000 square foot skate park. We don't have the estimates, the sizes on it, but it could potentially be around a 10,000 square foot when it's all said and done. So six and four add on to the existing. Roughly. Yeah. yeah that, that's our estimate. And, gotcha. and we don't have any specs in right now. This We've just started to take the first step. Our, our sure. hill just touched the ground. Yeah, exactly. So she uh, got approval from the board of aldermen to um, submit for that RTP grant through the Mississippi Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. It's a federal grant, but it's handled, it's administered at the state level. So, um, Excited about that. Dolly does a great job. She did wonderful work with the first one, working with Miranda and the uh, friends of Hernando Skates. So uh, real excited to see how that turns out. That will probably be um, at least a year, I would imagine, right. uh, for, for that. Um, you know, Jared, we've talked about it on our show in the past. Uh, we've discussed, uh, seems like every five or ten years, Hernando will bring in a group of consultants and they will talk about and do a deep dive into the Parks and Rec Department, both what's going on and the current needs or the possibilities. Uh, they did that in 2020. Have you had a chance to review that? And, and what are your thoughts on what they came up with in 20? Yeah, so one of my first days here, I was handed a binder of this uh, feasibility and facilities improvement plan that was done. Final copy, I think, was sent out in December 2020. It was done by Neil Schaefer Incorporated, DD Consulting LLC, which does recreation planning, and also a group from the Southern Miss Trent Lott National Center for Economic Development. They collected responses from the community. All this was paid by the citizens of Hernando. In, In the study that they presented, mentioned that Phase one, first and foremost, should be something uh, that satisfies the needs of Hernando citizens, right? So with the improvements that they have suggested, and they've suggested something for every single facility that the city of Hernando uses in in, uh, our park spaces, even down to the Gale Center, outside of the Gale Center. So pretty robust as far as their recommendations. Uh, It is a multi-year, multi-phase study that they presented. So that would probably lump into your question about a five-year plan. And I think this could act as a sort of map 
you know, and it's already, a lot of the work has been done. It's a couple years old, but as far as the only thing that should really affect is pricing for estimates and stuff. And, and those are estimates anyway. Um, but it, it should give you a good ballpark idea of some improvements that could be done and charts a path forward for that. This plan's here. We have it in a binder. Yeah, we've it's done been it. we've paid, paid for. Yeah, exactly. Why not use it? You, you literally sound like Derek and I several times on the show in the past year, consultants come in, give you their report, they get paid and leave town, but then we just don't, we don't, hey, let's knock the dust off of it and take a look at it. Right. So you're saying what they did in 2020 is definitely something that might lead you in their three, five decade long plan as you run the parks and rate department. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've, I've got it open on my desk Great. almost every day, um, unless I'm just trying to make some space for other stuff, but it's there. I touch it at least once every other day, right. you know, just to, to be reminded of what's in there, but also to, you know, when you're navigating, you want to look at a map too. Sure. So, you, you know, you always need to be cognizant of, of what the plan is. Well, when those consultants come in, they're getting paid to do, I mean, there's going to be some fluff in there, you know, but right. it's almost like they, they can just show you what could happen if budget was not an issue and so forth. So, you know, why not dream like that sometimes right. and, and take a look. And then we got to be more realistic when it comes to budgeting. And look, as we start to kind of wrap up and, and, and everything, we appreciate you giving uh, your time with us this morning in the business. I feel really bad about this, uh, that I didn't mention this when we first sat down together, um, married children. Yeah. Or? Yeah. So married to Megan, okay. she, we met at Erskine college. Okay. So she's originally from Bartow, Florida, central Florida. Yeah. And, uh, we've been married nine years. It'll be 10 this summer. Wow. We have a, Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Thank you. We have a, a three-year-old boy. So, uh, he just turned three in December. So okay. we haven't moved here yet. We're still looking. We're excited about being here. Um, serving the community, but also being a part of the community. If you'll pay attention to the beginning of this show, you'll notice that we uh, we have a presenting sponsor who can help you look for a house should that right. be something that you need. Well, look, we appreciate you coming on the UTW podcast. We'd like to have you on a, maybe a couple times a year, update some different things when it's getting time to roll out the fall season and the spring season. Perfect time to kind of come in and, and visit and, and, and talk to us. Uh, Derek and I, if you listen to our show, you know how much we care about Hernando. This show exists because we were just, uh, you know, there was getting no coverage of how good, you know, amazing town that we have. I mean, the darn thing's called Under the Water Tower. So that should tell you pretty much what we feel about Hernando. So we really, really appreciate you coming in. Before you sign off, is there anything you'd like to tell the listeners, tell the uh, maybe the people that you work for from a taxpayer standpoint about, uh, in the city of Hernando? Yeah. You know, we talked a lot about improvements, ideas, that type of stuff. I, I, I just want to make clear that what we have currently are really great assets for the community. We have some great parks that you can get out and enjoy already, even though it's cold weather. The playground at Conger, which has been recently renovated, is one of the best in the area. Lee's Summit, you know, has lots of great amenities for walking trails. You can fish in the pond. Renaissance Park offers a lot of trail space. Uh, we mentioned the skate park, which is, you know, one of the best in the areas and it gets visitors from all over the place. The, uh, a very good dog park there that's fenced in. So, you know, we talk a lot about improvements and everything. You know, I just want to make it clear that what we have here in Hernando are really great park amenities and assets that we're just trying to improve upon. So I encourage all of you, uh, get out there this weekend. Enjoy. I think we should have some sunshine, uh, with, for the next week, get out there, enjoy some of our, um, park amenities and uh we've got youth basketball going on also we've got registration wrapping up for our youth soccer program so registration ends for that on monday february 24th alongside we've got registration going on for our youth baseball softball and t-ball those registration dates end on february 13th and we've got adult soccer registration going on too that ends on February 14th. So check our website out, cityofhernando.org. Click the parks tab, check us out, see what's going on. Follow us on Facebook. That's a good way to get some some updates. Visit their website for that uh, job description, possibly for that sports director yeah, yeah. application, taking applications now for that. Well, Jerry, we thank you for coming in under the water tower to the How to Barbecue Right Shop studios this uh, this morning, and we really appreciate your time, and good luck with the new job. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. 
We want to thank Jared for coming in uh, this past Friday morning. Uh, really enjoyed sitting down with him. I was not obviously not only here interviewing, but I was uh, in the office uh, toward the second half of the interview. Really enjoyed just kind of hearing him and then talking with him afterwards. Seems like a really sharp guy. Uh, really excited about it. Ready to jump in. He's he's overwhelmed. Uh, he's been there just right at 60 days, a little less than 60 days. Uh, and so he's still got a lot. to. He's kind of feeling his way through. But it seems I loved his point about picking things up, the small things matter, uh, and just kind of keeping everything clean and just uh, really looking to, you know, uh, you know, that's the face. I mean, when you walk to a park, you want to see it clean and nice. Really like the, uh, the attention to detail there. And just uh, and it sounds like he's also uh, had some good ideas that we talked to him about, about sponsorships, really getting the sponsorship ball rolling. So uh, just thank you again, Jared. Uh, really looking forward to your, your time here. We hope it's a long, long time and it's very successful and what the uh, rest of, uh, at least of this year, brings. As a podcast listener, we definitely would hope you would share that interview, share that interview with young parents here in Hernando and say, hey, here's an interview with the guy that's going to be running our parks and rec department for years to come if you have a parent if you have a child or grandchild in the parks department share that so people can learn who is making these decisions we really really appreciate you coming in jared thank you so much since 2001 green king spray services has been helping home and business owners enjoy lush healthy weed-free outdoor living spaces they refuse to settle for the status quo continuously researching and testing the very latest methods, products, and strategies to ensure that your lawn looks better than the other guys. With technicians trained and educated, with hours of continuing education and seminars each year, Green King is committed to doing everything they can to make and keep you satisfied. You can reach them at 662-892-8419, again 662-892-8419, or visit them on their website at greenkingspray.com. Remember, If you want it green, call the king. Are you traveling this spring break or summer? Now's the time to reach out to Mobile Car and Van Rental locally right here in Hernando at the corner of Commerce and McCracken if you are traveling for spring break or this summer. Vans, cars, pickup trucks. Mobile Car and Van Rental can help you with body shop repairs. If your car is in the shop for days, weeks, even months, we are ready to serve. Give Megan, our manager, a call at 662-469-4555. That's 662-469-4555. Again, body shops, car repairs, simple travel. Derek, we booked three vans the other day for spring break going to Disney World. Now's the time to call. Please give us a call locally, 469-4555 for mobile, car, and van rental. Derek, we like to stay consistent on our Tuesday show, and it is time for our DeSoto County Fact of the Week. Not a long one, but definitely something that's really interesting. Uh, he went a little bit national uh, versus Rob Long of the DeSoto County Museum. Uh, gave us a little bit more of a national fact of the week versus a local. DeSoto County Museum, located right across the street from Bank Corp South, open 9 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday. Get over and visit with Rob and his team today. They'd love to show you all around the DeSoto County Museum, the wonderful exhibits, the wonderful artifacts about DeSoto County. Derek, what did Rob tell us? about this week now what, what, when you think of george washington what, what do you what's your first thoughts that come to mind for george mr mr washington uh, jo- uh let's see george washington first thing i would think of Derek. let's uh i'd probably start with wooden teeth wooden teeth yes. wooden teeth and uh you know the uh i cannot tell a lie type stuff you know okay. that type stuff and then obviously uh just a, being a war hero of course so do you, do you think of him as a uh, a binge drinker uh, I don't, I don't, but I know all about the facts of the week, and uh, man, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> For those of y'all who don't know that, you know, obviously he was a founding father, uh, first president of the United States. But uh, the one thing that I was not familiar with until uh, Rob sent us this was his proficiency in drinking. Okay. Um, so uh, this is taking place. This is on September 15th of 1787. Uh, recently, under uh, I guess bill was discovered a, a bill a, a written ledger of what took place on september 15th 1787 now this is right around the uh the constant I mean, the uh, convention constitutional convention uh, in philadelphia this is right at the end of it george washington just agreed to be president they're kind of writing everything out everybody getting ready to sign their name on the constitution he was getting ready to prepare to be the first president uh, of a newly formed united states of america and they decided to walk down to a, uh, a local pub and they commenced to drinking now matt um this is what uh, Rob has sent us. This is what was drank that night. Uh, again, September fifteenth of seventeen eighty seven. The founding fathers drank. Everybody at the uh, convention that night. Fifty four bottles of Madeira, sixty bottles of claret, eight bottles of whiskey, twenty two bottles of porter, eight bottles of hard cider, twelve cases of beer, and seven bowls of alcoholic punch. Wow. So seven bowls of whoop juice. There were only 55 people there. Holy cow. There's a reason that John Hancock <laughs> signed his name so large. <laughs> 55 people. So, um, again, that is, uh, that is a, 
enormous amount. Absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, everybody, there was 55 people, drank all that. Um, just an absolute party went down. Now, according to all the, the uh, historians that have looked over this, this is, uh, you know, basically this has been verified. Right. Uh, the, the cost that night was 89 pounds. Now, we're still, we're still using uh, the England's money. Correct. 89 pounds, four shillings and two pence. That is equivalent of a bar tab of $15,400 today. Wow. So they spent $15,000 drinking uh, everything. That would be about two bottles of wine, several shots, a few cups of punch, and a couple cases of beer, I mean, a couple of six packs of beer for every guest. Per person. Per person. Wow. Uh, and was still able to uh, actually control the meeting. He actually squelled down two fights that night. And then walked home. Wow. Okay. He walked yeah, back he to his hotel room. Home. No, actually not home. Definitely walked. Actually walked back to his uh, hotel where he stayed. Did not walk all the way back to Mount Vernon from Philadelphia. But um, again, just an absolute partiers that our founding fathers. Uh, so just uh, you know, something that Rob decided to share. I thought it was very, very. You know, hey, look, when Rob went national, he went big time. That's big a time. Very, Huge. very good uh, fact of the week. Thank you, Rob, for sending us the uh, fact of the week for this week. Again, sponsored by the DeSoto County Museum, located across from Bank Corp South, nine to five Tuesday through Saturday. Just an amazing, amazing jewel right here in Hernando. Please visit Rob and his team today. I want to continue to recognize one of our longtime sponsors, Williams Services. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. Whether it's leaf removal, tree trimming, soon-to-be spring cleanups, Anything on the outside of your home or business, Richard can help. Give him a call at 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. Or find more information about Williams Lawn Services on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. Thank you, Richard, and your team for being a longtime sponsor of the UTW Podcast. DeSoto Family Dental Care has been a presence under the water tower with over 60 years of combined dental experience. Dr. Seymour, Dr. Paroli, and Dr. Trotter are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments and general dentistry, including implants and implant-supported dentures, as well as Invisalign. DFDC makes use of modern technology such as digital scanning, intraoral cameras, digital x-rays, and autoclave sterilization. An in-house lab allows your dentist to be fully involved in the lab process and the end result. The office is designed to provide a safe, comfortable, and relaxing atmosphere for their patients. You can be confident that the goal of each staff member is to create a comfortable environment to provide you with relaxing, personalized dental care. Visit their office today to see the difference and give them a call at 662-429-5239. Again, 662-429-5239. Well, Derek, as we come to the end of our Tuesday show, let's discuss some of the games, soccer and basketball, that happened since our last show last Friday. Some really, really big news under the water tower that we'll get to in one second. Tell us about the Lewisburg Patriots and Lady Patriots both moving on in soccer when it comes to the playoffs. What we got? That's right. The Lady Patriots have had already wrapped up the district when they played uh, district title when they played on Friday, but they faced Center Hill to try and have an undefeated run through district. They got off to a good start in the 10th minute when Briley Ross scores from an assist from Larkin Griffin. That 1-0 lead would stand all the way to halftime. In the first minute after halftime, Allie Crimble scores off of a ball from Briley Ross. 18 minutes later, Allie scores her second goal of the match, this one with an assist from Casey Jasek. Natalie Culver finishes the scoring on an assist from Kennedy Turner, giving the Lady Patriots a 4-0 win over Center Hill and a 6-0 final record in district. They will now host Clinton tonight in the first round of the playoffs. We want to say good luck to the Lady Patriots and take down the Lady Arrows. On the boys' side, the boys also took on Center Hill, this one in a winner-take-all for the district championship. Both teams already had locked up their spot in the playoffs and just fighting for the number one seed. The game was tied all the way through, with Hogan Payne of the Patriots scoring the lone goal of the night two minutes into the second half, giving the Patriots the district championship. That win means they will host Clinton tonight in the first run of the playoffs. A huge coincidence that both Patriot teams get to host both Arrow teams tonight in the Berg. Let's hope for a combined 2-0 record from the Berg after tonight. Man, that works out perfectly travel-wise and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. I mean, one, <laughs> one charter bus. I mean, we'll talk more uh, here in just a second about charter buses. Uh, but, man, that works out perfectly for Clinton uh, having to come up. And, I mean, that's 
It's basically like a normal match. Now, Matt, uh, you tell me this. I know that there's rules about when games can and cannot start. Uh, the cold front is coming through today. Correct. Um, so, you know, if, if, if we're down in the 20s by 6 o'clock, I mean, what do they do? Reschedule? Make them play? Because they're already up here? All right, Derek. So, what I've recently, and when I have experience with this, uh, if it's from what I've been told, if it's 32 and higher, when the girls' game starts, the boys' game can happen. Um, I'm just simply going to say um, <laughs> I, think that's, I, I think that's been disregarded a little bit in the last week. So <laughs> I officially have absolutely no okay, idea. Okay. Uh, weather-wise, I know um, – I know it's been cold, and yes, there is a cool front coming through. Uh, started to come through last night, so it's really cold this morning here at Hot Barbecue Right Shop Studios, and it's only going to get a little colder. So yeah, I know um, it just is what it is. Yeah, okay. All just, right. don't well, just, just don't ask. Just don't ask. Hey, let, let's just go two and zero. Oh. Uh, yeah, good everybody's luck, playing. It's the same weather. Everybody's playing the yep, same weather. Let's exactly. Go. Good luck, Lewisburg. All right, next uh, to Hernando. Hernando girls have already wrapped up first place in the district. The Lady Tigers hosted South Panola to finish up the regular season. Catherine Bush scored the first goal in the match. That was followed up by a goal by Charlotte Dunlap, followed by two from Emmeline Smith. Peyton Williamson got into the action, getting back-to-back goals of her own, pushing the score to 6-0. Macy Riggs then scored before halftime to take the 7-0 lead. Emmeline Smith gets her hat trick with another goal, and then the scoring is finished on a goal by Liv Norris for a 9-0 skunk. The Tigers will host Tupelo tonight for the first round of the playoffs. So if you live in Hernando or Lewisburg, you have two great women's games to come watch tonight. Uh, go out to support, and let's push for an all-DeSoto North Half State Finals. Derek, I will be calling the game, not refereeing by any stretch, but announcing the game uh, tonight. If you can hear our voice, it is going to be cold. Please get out and support these young ladies. They will be hosting Tupelo at 5 o'clock. Get out there at 5 o'clock. It's not going to be as cold at 5 as it will be at 7, but regardless, <laughs> get out there if you can. Come support these young ladies. We'll get it as loud as we can, have a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully the Tupelo uh, Golden Wave uh, head on back to Tupelo with a loss. So good luck tonight for the Lady Tigers. I want to say their record is now 14-3. and three. You know We're going to do everything we can. We do have a lot of fun. Uh, we play music and, and all that kind of stuff. So please consider coming out tonight and watching the Hernando Lady Tigers soccer team. All right, now moving on to the boys' side. The boys had wrapped up a playoff spot, but not their seeding yet, so they needed the win to still try and get the one seed. Ethan Barnes starts off the scoring in the fourth minute with a goal off a corner kick. Tyler Starnes then gets a goal two minutes later. Barnes gets his second goal in the 15th minute off a backhill assist by Spencer Carlisle. Barnes gets his hat trick in the 28th minute with an assist by Omar Martinez. Elijah Stage gets into the scoring action in the 32nd minute with an assist by Park Rafferty, and then Rafferty scores himself in the 38th minute. The game is called at that point with a 7-0 skunk. However, South Haven was not able to beat Horn Lake by two or more goals, and so Hernando ends up with a two-seed and will travel to Starkville tonight to face the Yellow Jackets. We say good luck, fellas, on the game, and bring the victory back to UTW. Matt, We've been making the game tonight. I will not, Derek. I just told you I'm going to You're be. You're going to be calling the game. That's right. I <laughs> I'm just calling, heard that. My son is the, uh, you know, he's a, he's a backup goalie or reserve player. So um, he was totally okay and understood um, that I would, you know, stay in Hernando and call the game for the girls uh, tonight, see if we can uh, push them through against Tupelo. But uh, good luck to the guys tonight. They'll be traveling. They may maybe listen to this show while they're driving in the Starkville. Maybe not the guys, but some of the parents. But uh, we definitely want to say good luck to uh, the gentlemen. I think they're getting a charter bus and uh, nice. traveling down so I mean that's uh, I will say this I really enjoyed there were a few times we took a charter bus down when I was a younger kid and uh, just win or lose enjoy every second tonight uh, with your teammates for sure and hopefully uh, hopefully you'll have a really good time coming back with a win yeah, Starkville's they got a good. They always have always good competitive good. teams. Yeah. Uh, we you know played them. My son used to play competitive soccer when he was younger, and we played them several times. They've got really good teams coming from Starkville. Got a nice complex down yeah. there. Um, so again, looking forward to that, and uh, hopefully again we'll have we'll be four and zero after tonight uh, on the soccer so. side. Absolutely. Good luck. Uh, good luck to the under the water tower teams for sure tonight. Well, Derek, let's turn our attention to uh, a little bit of dribble. What you got? All right, so uh, North Point had two games each, boys and girls, so we're going to go those, through those pretty quickly uh, since our last show. Uh, on Friday night, uh, both North Point teams uh, played ECS. The girls started off strong, roaring out to a 25-3 to lead after the first quarter. That's a murder. By the halftime, the lead had increased to 43-5. to 43 to 5 at halftime. Girls scored five points. Five points. High school girls scored five points and a half. And a half. That, and that's ECS. ECS. That's a decent 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, they know the fundamentals. Yeah, I know oh, they know the fundamentals. And we and actually, it was uh, probably within about a five or ten point lead at half last time we played them at home. Oh, this was that, away. That is terrible. Uh, the junior varsity obviously came in in the third quarter when that, that quarter ended up with a score of 50 to 18. And then both JV and the ninth grade played in the fourth where the score ended up being 56 to 31. Briley Faith Cherry had 20 points and Bethany Wright 17 and basically one half of basketball. On the boys' side, the boys did almost the complete opposite of the girls, going down 9-2 to two after the first. They scored more in the second quarter, but still entered halftime down 20-10. to 10. The Trojans tried to make the comeback, pulling to within two at the end of the third quarter, 29-27, to 27, but ECS pulls away in the fourth for the 47-35 to 35 victory. Christian Gilliland led the Trojans with 21 points, and Darius Naylor had 10. On Saturday was homecoming for the Trojans, and the girls and the boys would play different teams. The girls faced off against DeSoto Academy out of Arkansas, and this one was also over before it started. Much like ECS, the girls jumped out to a 20-3 lead after the first and a 40-8 lead at halftime. The coach took out the starters halfway through the third, and the JV and the ninth grade team split time the rest of the way to a 62-20 victory. Brian Faith Cherry had 24 points. Carrington Edwards had 10 and one half of basketball. The girls next play at district game tonight versus Westminster at home. Uh, on the boys' side, the boys played fairly high school out of Memphis for homecoming, needing a win to right the ship. They started off strong with an 18-9 lead after the first. The scoring was much better than the night before, taking a 36-17 lead in the halftime. This continued into the third as they increased their lead to 59-27 and cruised to a 80-44 victory. Christian Gilliland led again with 33 points, and Darius Naylor had 10 points again. They also play Westminster tonight at home. But the most important question of the night is, who won homecoming, Queen? And that honor goes to senior Carrington Edwards, who is a senior basketball player. Of course, we just mentioned her. She actually uh, had, was one of the top scorers in one of the games just mentioned. We want to say congratulations to her and all the maids that were nominated. Now, turning our attention south and to the east, to Lewisburg, the Lady Patriots faced the Lady Conquistadors in a tough district matchup on a busy day of sports for the Patriots. This game did not end up as well as a soccer match, with the Patriots losing 65-32. to Lenny Moss led the Patriots with 12 points. The boys played next and played a Keisters team that had only lost twice all year. The game was as tough as you would have thought coming into it, and the Patriots fall 84-57. to Hayden Drumwhite had 18 points, Joe Nelson had 14, and Noah Jorgensen had 11. Uh, now, finally, in Hernando, uh, the girls uh, and boys played South Panola uh, on Friday night on the hardwood with the girls tipping off first. Hernando jumped out to a 17-10 lead after the first quarter and outscored the South Panola Lady Tigers 19-9 in the second to take a 36-19 lead in the halftime. Hernando looked strong at the end of the third, uh, maintaining a 14-point lead going into the fourth quarter. South Panola battled in the final frame, but Hernando was too much winning the game 68-58 to for a key district win. Hallen Wallace had a double-double with 19 points and 10 rebounds. Demaya Cummins had 14 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds and 4 steals. And Abby Harrison had 14 points, 8 blocks, and 6 rebounds. Coach Jones wants everybody to know that they have two huge district games this week with playoff implications starting tonight at South Haven and then Friday at home versus Horn Lake. Go support the Lady Tigers as they try to make a playoff push. Derek, you and I talked uh, a million times uh, in our friendship about possibly uh, wishing that maybe we coached or went into coaching. Uh, I'll say this, uh, Coach Jones, thank you for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. Good luck this week. I will say this, Derek, um, the high school ranks does not have a shot clock, correct? That's correct. If you have a 19-point lead, you can slow down. Yeah, you can. I'll just simply say that it is not required to fire it up. You're up by 19 points. Next thing you know, you're only up by three. Well, yeah. yeah. I, and when you play with a level of speed of just just sprinting constantly, we've said it before, constantly running, racing, driving up the court so fast to just kind of fire it up uh, and you don't make those shots, what's going to happen? The other team's going to make some of their shots. You're up by 19 points. We can slow it down. We can go to a four corners. It's not a shot clock. Did you say milk, milk Boring clock. wins. Milk Last time yeah. I checked, up by 19. Next thing you know, you had to work really hard in the second half. Got up by 19, only up by 14 in the third quarter. At one point, we're only up by three. 
I don't go to a lot of basketball games. Maybe I should go to more. But I simply – I do know this. Having the ball and a 19-point lead – I think Latino's just like – You have the power. Team. You have the power. They, everybody wants to take off. They just want to take just off. Just go. It's, every team it's does unbelievable. that. unbelievable. The most impressive thing I've seen this year is uh, North Point was – the girls were playing a, a tough uh, NBA team. Um, not NBA, M, NBA, Memphis Business Academy. And they were doing it, and they were – I mean, it was a tight game. And so they had – the North Point had the ball with like two minutes left in the first half, two, two and a half minutes. They milked two and a half minutes – because they were, they were up by four. North Point was up sure. by four. Sure. And trying – they milked two and a half minutes, dribble, four-corner dribble, dribble. And like literally – and at first, you know, NBAs, you know, they're all getting right here trying to, okay, we're not going to give them anything, no driving lanes, this and that. And then about a minute into it, the coaches are like – he starts realizing – they're just going to take this. Like, it's literally it's okay. burning a fourth of the quarter right. just doing and nothing. And that's fine. And this is halftime. That's fine. And we settled for one shot. I can't remember if we made it or not. Didn't matter. We just ate two and a half minutes. The coach, what their coach was furious. Doesn't matter. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't matter. At yeah. Last time I checked, you have a 19-point lead. You have the ball. You can spread out. You can hold the ball. If they come and attack you, you pass the ball, yeah. and they count the five that's seconds it. every time. I look. I've played a lot of basketball. My next game I coach will be my first. <laughs> but at the same time, I've watched a whole lot of it. And, man, when you have the ball and the lead, you have the power. Good luck, Lady Tigers, this week. All right. That, again, let's go 2-0 this week and make that late uh, playoff push. Hopefully we can yep. uh, get uh, Hernando in the playoffs. On the boys' side, the boys' game was still quiet on social media, but – Thanks to Dwayne Case, a friend of the podcast Thank and you, principal Dwayne. of uh, Hernando High School. Uh, he did tweet out a couple times. The boys took a 25-16 to 16 lead into halftime and then held on for – he took me a picture of the scoreboard, sent it out. Thank you very okay, much, Dwayne Case. Thanks, Dwayne. 54-44 for a good district win. However, again, no stats given, but I do appreciate the scores. As with North Point, this was a big night for the school. Yeah. It was the high school winter fest. And their, their queen, their winter fest queen, Harper Eldridge, yeah. was named the – Winterfest, the Hernando High School Winterfest Queen. We want to say congratulations to Harper and all the maids of their honor. And the Tigers, again, will also play South Haven tonight. Absolutely. And um, Hannah Grace goes to school with all those young ladies, uh, knows most of them, knows Harper, uh, just a nice young lady. So congratulations to her. Um, Derek, I will say it was a little bit funny. The previous winner came out and um, goes to put the crown on, and uh, it ends up on the floor. Oh. So I know it's, that's never good. <laughs> never good. Uh, yeah. So it ends is that up the on the meme. Oh, this is your, this is yours. Exactly. Big old, big old <laughs> crown, and uh, boom, it's on uh. the ground. And they had to get it put on her. But uh, look, a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, I was there the other night. Huge crowd really appreciate everybody coming out and supporting there uh there you know under the water tower hernando basketball game should be fun they oh, should have yeah. great crowds it should be a lot of fun and it was it was a really really good uh crowd good luck hernando lady tigers and tigers congratulations on the wins uh, this past week congratulations to harper uh, just a neat experience well look if you like our voice and if you like it enjoy what you hear each and every week on the utw podcast please 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 share it with friends and family let others know about our podcast share it if you just heard someone friend of yours a niece and a cousin or anything like that you just heard their name on our podcast send it to them share it with them let them hear it as well we love shining light on uh, young people here in desoto county well look if you enjoy our show find us on facebook at utw podcast instagram at utw podcast twitter utw pod wherever you can hear our voice spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts. give us a five-star review simply give us a five-star review help us keep moving up when it comes to local podcasts if you enjoy our show look for ob pod simply stands for olive branch ob pod covering the eastern side of desoto county they deep dive into lewisburg olive branch and center hill athletics as well ob pod Thank you again to Jared Barkley for being our special guest on the UTW podcast. We really, really appreciate it and wish him nothing but the best when it comes to his future here as a director of the Hernando Parks and Rec Department. Really, really, we'll be pulling for you, Jared. Well, if there's nothing else, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower. This is where we dropped off a pretty